Hey, welcome today to Prophecy Countdown. I'm going to do something a little bit different today. Um, I'm outside of the studio, so I thought I'd just spend a little time with you and talk to you about one of the key verses that I feel uh, really kind of brings everything together when it comes to prophecy. When we talk about uh, the apocalypse, when we talk about the end of the age, the seven years of tribulation, the coming of Jesus Christ, the second coming, one of the things that, that is key to understanding is the idea of the end of the age. So when we talk about the end of the age, we can talk about the end of the world, which is true, but at the same time, there is a specific end of the age that Jesus reference, references that is, is actually very, very key uh, to understanding prophecy. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to uh, the Gospel of, of Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke, that's the third gospel. Luke chapter 21. Um, this is a very similar passage to what we also read in Matthew. Um, it's a synoptic gospel, meaning that it's, it's basically telling the story from a, just a different perspective. Uh, Luke chapter 21 is where Jesus is talking to his, his apostles, and he's telling them about the, the end of the age. He's ans actually answering some questions that they've asked about when he is coming back. And this is what it talks about. It talks about the destruction of Jerusalem, which we know happened in A.D. 70. And Jesus says this. I want to get to chapter, verse 24. Uh, Luke 21, 24 is the key verse I want to talk about. Uh, but it actually, we have to back up to, to verse 21 to get an idea of what Jesus is referring to. Jesus says, But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its destruction is near. Let those in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart, and let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and who those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon his people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. That's verse 24. And the key is until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So what was Jesus talking about? Well, he was talking about the destruction of, of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. And then he was referring also to what we know as the tribulation period. Because there are, there are similarities often in prophecy. Uh, it has an early fulfillment and a later fulfillment. We see this a, a number of different ways. One of the things that I often describe and I tell my church is that if you take a look at Elijah, uh, Elijah was promised to come, the spirit of Elijah to come, before the Messiah. A and we know that that was fulfilled in, in John the Baptist, that John the Baptist was, was Jesus says, if, if you can believe this, it, John the Baptist was this fulfillment, this, this, that he came in the spirit of Elijah. But you know, to this day, uh, Jewish people all around the world, when they're celebrating uh, Passover, uh, they have a cup out, uh, a fifth cup, for, uh, it's called the, the Elijah, the Elijah cup. Uh, and then Elijah was to come. The Elijah was to come before the, uh, the, 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 the coming of the Messiah. So they have this Elijah cup out to basically remember that Elijah is to come. Well, Elijah is still to come. If we book, read the book of Revelation, for example, we see that there are, there are two witnesses in Jerusalem 
two witnesses. We don't have their names, but many scholars, and I'm one of them, I believe that the two, the two witnesses are likely Elijah and Moses, based on, on what they do, what they say, how they call fire down from heaven. Um, again, Moses was the law and Elijah was the prophets. It covers the, the law and the prophets. But Elijah was to come before the Messiah. So we see this duality of, of prophecy, that it's fulfilled early and it's also fulfilled late. But again, I want to get to this, this verse uh, 24 that it says that until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. You know, one of the things that I teach is that unless you, um, unless you understand some of the keys of prophecy, some of the keys of prophecy, and there's basically two that I talk about a lot, two keys of prophecy. Uh, one is that we want to take prophecy literal literally whenever possible unless it's it's obvious that it's allegory that it's obvious that it's symbols uh, we try to take it as literally as possible you know when we take it as allegory as symbols you can make up anything you want to for it so so you see something in, in prophecy that talks about a coming kingdom you say well that could be the United States uh, or that could be the United Kingdom that could be that could be an empire of any time well the thing we want to understand is that if we take the Bible as literally as possible, we know that the, the Bible is a Jewish book written by almost exclusively Jewish authors, and it's written primarily to a Jewish audience. Even in the first century A.D., when the apostles, uh, the apostles, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, Peter, um, uh, John, John the Apostle wrote uh, the, the New Testament when they wrote that, oh also James and Jude, when, when they were writing the New Testament, who were they writing to? Well they were writing primarily to a, a Jewish audience. And see this is what happens with, with when we take the Bible, when we don't take the Bible literally, uh, we understand that there's a lot of prophecy in the Bible, uh, but for, for centuries, nearly two millennium, almost 2,000 years, the church by and large, and I'm talking about the, the teaching church, the, it doesn't matter whether that was Catholic or whether it was Lutheran before or after the Reformation, doesn't make any difference. The church by and large took prophecy allegorically. And the main reason they did that, and they didn't take it literally, is because so much of prophecy focused on Israel. It focused on the, the, the regathering of the people of Israel to Israel. Isaiah said, can such a thing happen? Can a nation be born in a day? And so we take a look at this and we say, well, this is, this is, this is amazing. I mean, if we, 1948, May 14th, 1948, all of a sudden, after nearly 1900 years, the nation of Israel, again, is in, is in the land. The people of Israel are, are being regathered. Now this isn't a full, full uh, fulfillment of the prophecy because many of the people in Israel still don't, don't, don't believe in God. They don't believe in Jehovah. Uh, they don't believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Many of them are just cultural Jews. But God is starting to put things together. So when we see that, we say, oh my goodness, this is exactly what uh, the prophets uh, talked about. Let me, show you, let me share another scripture verse, verse with you. In, in this Matthew, uh, uh, I'm sorry, in this, this Gospel of Luke, Luke 21, um, what it also refers to, it goes back to this, uh, this idea of, of Jerusalem being trampled up 
until the time of Gentiles is fulfilled. And now that refers, let's go back to, to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 24. Because in Matthew 24, Jesus has a little bit more to say about, about this time. It, it all begins in Matthew 24, uh, beginning in, in verse 3. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? You know, Jesus basically uh, uh, was going to answer all three of those questions. Uh, the apostles are amazed because Jesus says, you see this temple? I tell you, it's, not, it's all going to be torn down. Not one stone will be left on top of another. And the, the disciples that are with him are amazed. And they basically frame these questions, and they frame it in, in the form of three questions. They say, when will these things be? Um, uh, when, tell us, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So many scholars separate those as three different things that, that Jesus is going to respond. And, and you know the passage in Matthew 24. This is an amazing passage um, because Jesus talks about um, take heed that no one deceives you. Deception is going to be a very big part of the end of the age. Uh, but then he goes on and talks about wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes in various places and nations will rise against nations. That word nations, by the way, is the word ethnos. <laughs> the Greek word ethnos, which actually refers refers to our ethnicities. Isn't it interesting today that it seems like the, the, the biggest problem we have is kind of this, this uh, lack of civility uh, between nationalities. A lack of civility between nationalities, which is, which is so unfortunate. Here in the United States, for example, we are the, uh, the melting pot. All of us all of us that are watching this broadcast, all of us that call ourselves American, there are very few of us that, that are natives. And let me tell you, even the Native Americans came from somewhere. They came from somewhere, but we were this giant melting pot uh, for hundreds of years. And people embraced the culture of the United States. They became Americans. They they fought and they died for this country. Uh, they they were they fully embraced the American ideals. But all too often today, there are people that want to divide us again based on our nationalities, by uh, the color of our skin or our religion. And, and and it's so unfortunate. But Jesus talked about it. He talked about that nations will rise uh, against nations. And then Jesus goes on, he says, he says, and unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. That's verse 22 of Matthew 24. Uh, for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Jesus is telling that this, this time that's coming, this, this tribulation period, is going to be so severe that unless it's actually shortened by God, if he keeps it very, very short, otherwise no flesh will remain. And the thing is, is that if you read chapter 24, it, it culminates with the coming of the Son of Man, the coming of Jesus Christ. It says this in verse 29, it says, Immediately after the tribulation, meaning at the end of it, after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and he will send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now see, what's, what's fascinating about this is when does this happen? When does this happen? Well, the Bible makes it very clear 
that there's a time, a time of the Gentiles. We know it as also the age of the church, the age of the church. You know, and on Pentecost uh, Sunday, the Holy Spirit descended and the, the Holy Spirit descended on, on the 120 that were in the upper room. The Apostle Peter comes out and gives this amazing, uh, this amazing uh, sermon. Um, thousands are converted. Thousands are baptized. The church is born. And we go for a period of time where both Jew, uh, where the Jewish people as well as the Christians, both Jew and Gentile, uh, are, are working alongside. Uh, but then after 70 AD, the, the Jewish temple is destroyed. Uh, the Jewish people are scattered throughout the world. It's called the Great Diaspora. And we enter into what we know as the uh, age of the, uh, the time of the Gentiles. It's also the time of the church, a time where God has poured out His, His grace on people like, like you and me. And aren't you glad uh, that we get to experience uh, the fullness of God's grace? by accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we're grafted in. But here's the thing, we're grafted in to God's covenant promise with His people, the chosen people, the people that we know as Israel. So the early church had, had a great deal of difficulty with this, very great deal of difficulty with this, because Jerusalem had been destroyed. Uh, the Jewish people had been scattered, almost as if God had, had judged them, had decided that he, was, he washed his hands with the Jewish people. This is what many of the church scholars thought. And in fact, the church, quite frankly, persecuted the Jewish people. Uh, and we see this time after time after time. Early in the Roman Empire it happened. The Jews were expelled from, uh, from Rome. Uh, 1492, we know 1492 because Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue, but I tell you, in 1492, uh, King Ferdinand and Isabella of Spain, who commissioned uh, Columbus, also began with the help of the church, uh, what is known as the Inquisition. And the Inquisition was primarily directed against the Jews. Isn't that something? Against the Jews. So it was very difficult for the church, who basically taught people that the Jews, that God had rejected the Jews, that he was done with the Jews, that the, that the Gentile people, the people in the Roman Empire, for example, that made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire, that they were, they were the, new, uh, the new church. They were the new Jews. Uh, and they started substituting. So when they saw uh, Jerusalem, they thought, well, Jerusalem is basically, uh, is basically heaven. That's what, that's what heaven is. So when they would read about Jerusalem in the Bible, they would say, well, that's heaven. That's heaven. So they started taking the Bible very symbolically. And they, all of these scriptures that point to uh, an end time, that God would turn his attention back to the Jewish people, that they would be regathered into the land of Israel, uh, they ignored and they basically said, well, well, it can't happen exactly how it's, uh, it's written. It's got to, it can't be literal. It has to have some kind of uh, symbolic message. And this is so unfortunate. But, but we see Israel being regathered in May of 1948. And let me tell you, it makes so much sense when we understand that God is not done with the Jewish people. He's not done with the Jewish people at all. You know, that shouldn't surprise us. In the, in the book of Daniel, let me flip over there real quick. In the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel is an amazing prophet. He had, he had, <laughs> his prophetic wisdom 
given by God was so exacting uh, that there are many people that say, well, the prophet Daniel uh, couldn't have written this back, back when we think he wrote it because it was way before all of these events happened. And there's no way prophetically that he would be able to know, for example, uh, when, he, when he was able to uh, uncover or, or, or tell Nebuchadnezzar about his dream of the statue, the, the head of gold and the arms of silver and the belly of brass and the, and the, the, the feet of, of, of iron and, and the toes of clay uh, representing uh, four world empires. There's, there's no way, scholars say, some scholars say, they're skeptics, uh, that Daniel could have known that because it's got so much accuracy in it. But let me turn to, real quickly, to Daniel chapter 9. And this is the prophecy that Daniel has of the 70 weeks. And it's very key, 70 weeks, which is 70 weeks of years, 70 times 7, or 490 years. So Daniel's told by the angel Gabriel that there were 490 years, not just 70, but 490 years before God unveils everything that he's going to unveil. This is what he says, verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgressions, to make an end for sin, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Verse 25 says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. Now let me stop there for a second. Seven, seven plus sixty-two, seven plus sixty-two, most second graders or third graders can tell you that it equals sixty-nine. Sixty-nine. Seven plus sixty-two is sixty-nine. But the angel Gabriel said that seventy weeks are appointed. Seventy weeks. Seventy less sixty-nine leaves one week. One week of seven. Seven years. This is called the seven years of Daniel's, of, of Jacob's trial. This is the seven years that we know as the tribulation. And when does it happen? It happens after what Jesus said, until the age of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Until the last Gentile uh, comes to, to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior before, before the appearance of, of Jesus Christ before the appearance of Jesus Christ. We know that as the rapture of the church. Let me continue. Jesus, uh, Daniel says in verse 26, And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it will be with a flood until the end war and desolations are determined. Okay, Daniel says that after the 62 weeks, Messiah is going to be cut off. So scholars that have a lot more knowledge than I do have gone through the math and figured out when the call to build, uh, rebuild Jerusalem actually went out, um, and that was while they were still in captivity, until Messiah the Prince, until Jesus was on the streets of Jerusalem and he's crucified, he's cut off, until that time was 62 weeks. 62 weeks or 62 times 7. The end will be with a flood, and the people of the prince will come, who shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The people of the prince who is to come. Isn't that something? Within this passage in Daniel is a little bit of a secret about the very end times. The prince that came, okay, the, per the person that came and destroyed Jerusalem was a Roman Empire emperor, who was going to be an emperor, he was a general at the time, uh, known by as Titus. 
Titus came in AD 70 and destroyed uh, Jerusalem. He was a Roman Empire who came back and went back to Rome and became the Emperor of Rome. So it says, this is the prince that is to come, the same people. So th from this we understand that at the end time, the final prince that is to come, and that's not the Messiah, uh, that's basically what we know as the Antichrist, will come from the same Roman people, the same, same people that destroyed uh, Jerusalem in AD 70. It says this, it says, the end shall be with a flood till the end of war, desolations are determined. Verse 27, then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wind, wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. Now, if this is the, if this is the first time you've, you've heard any of these prophecies, they can be difficult to understand. Uh, but one of the things that I teach is that the scripture interprets the scripture, or the Bible interprets the Bible. So when we see these things, when we see things in the New Testament, we go back to the Old Testament where this uh, similar prophecy is being made. And when we build the prophecy, scripture upon scripture, prophecy upon prophecy, uh, the, the picture of what it's going to look like in the end times comes into, and comes into focus. Jesus told us that there would be a time at the end that comes about immediately after God is done with the Gentiles, what is known as the fullness of the Gentiles. It's almost like a stopwatch. God hits the stopwatch, stops the stopwatch, and says, okay, the time of the Gentiles is done. God turns his full attention to the Jewish people. The seven years of tribulation are designed so that God has the opportunity to reach back into Israel and save the Jewish people. You know, God's not done with the Jewish people yet. The promises that God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob um, cannot be changed. Uh, God is not a liar that, God, that he could change, that he could change his mind. This, this concept that somehow God is done with Israel and turned his attention now to the Gentiles and will always stay there, that's not true. God's going to find a time when the time of the Gentiles, when the age of the church, is going to come to an end. Jesus told us, he told his apostles, he says, uh, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, or dwelling places. If we're not so, I would not tell you, but I go to prepare a place for you, and I will return and bring you unto myself so that you may be with me. That's the promise that Jesus made of coming back for his disciples. If you believe in Jesus Christ, have, if you have made him uh, your Lord and Savior, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is coming back. He's coming back for the church. Um, it's what we know as Jesus in the sky. Some people call it the uh, call it uh, Jesus' second coming. It's actually when Jesus comes back for his church. And we believe that it happens, and we can teach you from, from the Bible, that it happens at the very beginning of the of the tribulation, or just actually before the tribulation. And the reason we believe that is because the tribulation is the time of Jacob's trial. It's not designed for the church. The church, God doesn't have, there's no wrath for the church. God doesn't have any wrath for the church. The church is his bride, and he's not going to go beat up his bride before he comes home. So this is just a little little teaching from, we started off with in Luke chapter 21, Jesus talking about the time of the Gentiles. Um, 
We'll have more for you real soon. God bless. You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.